You are listening to the Nourish Joy Podcast, episode 49. What if we all believed the human body was actually created to be healthy, that it wanted to be healthy? How would our thoughts change? Our feelings, our habits? I'm Megan Dorman, a nutritional therapist. And I'm Haley Erickson, a mental health therapist. We're sisters and besties. We're sisties. We're here to break down big issues of the body and mind into bite-sized, delicious nuggets. And we would love to hear from you. Submit your questions or feedback to podcast at megandorman.com or follow along on Instagram at megan underscore dorman. There will be a post there each week with a call for questions and you can ask anything in the comments. Here's a quick disclaimer. Everything we say on this podcast and all content on our websites or social media is intended as general information only. Consuming our content does not constitute a client relationship. The general information we share is not a substitute for professional medical or mental health advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So if you are a loyal subscriber to the show and you listened to episode 48, you may have noticed that it was labeled something, something marriage series. Part one. Yeah. Of two. What was it? Love and friendship or something? Sure. We should probably know something like this. But anywho, have you ever heard rock stars that like can't remember the lyrics to their own songs? It is a little embarrassing. Well, so it was labeled something, something, part one. And then it's been over a month before you're getting Has this. Has it been a month? Part two. I yeah, have, I think you're right. Yeah, Eek. because Doc died at the beginning of May and it's in the middle of June. Okay. Yeah. You're right. So what we're referring to is our grandfather passed away the beginning of um, the beginning of May. And that was also right about the time I was moving into my house. We moved back in after a gigantic remodel, um, Memorial Day weekend. And you were and gone for, from your house for seven months. After being gone for seven months. I was wrapping up my practice in preparation for a maternity leave. So I was yep. full on with a bunch of clients to try to get everybody in and discharge safely. You're sweet to say that but if I had been available or made you record you would have totally fit me in yeah that may be true from a logistic standpoint but emotionally I really wasn't there yeah so we had already recorded this part two we did the whole thing in one shot oh and then my computer died your computer died which is really what made it hardest for us to get it back we've been ready for two or three weeks yeah so the episode has been recorded um our producer our wonderful producer is also our cousin so he was part of the grief and the loss of our grandfather so that that also complicated things if we'd have had an outside person kind of forcing us to do stuff then and, you know, who knows? But the three of us were all grieving and um, trying to be there for our parents, his mom and our mom, our sisters. Um, so it was a lot of travel. It was a lot of stress. It was a lot of sadness and uncertainty um, as we were kind of facing the days leading up to his death. And then, um, you know, trying to support our parents and everything through the aftermath of it. So all that is to say, this is a very belated part two. Yeah, we apologize about the... If- seemingly gone rogue but I think it's also kind of a cool lesson here because it's called season of life right and there are times where you have an expectation of yourself or of of your partner or of someone that they would show up and create or produce x and you have to remember that sometimes just because something can be expected you can fit it in you should fit it in sometimes you just can't and you kind of have to listen to yourself like to your point about what you said about logistically Haley would have shown up to do the things. Yeah, I'm a pretty loyal person and I make things happen in terms of those. But again, emotionally I wasn't there. And so I wasn't really ready to record and give it my all. And I just kind of had to listen to that. So when we talk about boundaries, 
that's a boundary. We just had to say, okay, we got got to tap out for a couple weeks. So if you've been wondering where part two of the marriage series was, here it is. We are are so sorry to make you wait, but we sure do appreciate your patience and for even being part of this community. And after you listen to this, we want you to immediately start getting excited for the following episode, which is episode 50. It will be out next week and it is our one year anniversary we've already recorded it It and it's epic epic it's large and in charge so before (laughs) long it's large and in charge so before you listen to (laughs) it kind of like you big mama yeah big mama's large and in charge (laughs) don't be overwhelmed by the the uh, timestamp on it just look for megan's notes on Mm -hmm. so you can know what you're listening to because it's kind of an array of things yeah we answer a whole bunch of listener questions yeah and and it ranges the gamut of basically nourishing joy yes yeah 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 that's what we're here for to help you nourish your joy so with no further ado here's part two part two of episode 49 marriage and friends something of that whatever it's called okay bye Bye. woohoo 49 49 all right so this is part two of our intensive marital workshop (laughs) featuring Haley d erickson live yeah so you're gonna hear me reference a lot of of what came out last week so if you haven't listened to last week it's not really worth your time oh you're gonna be so lost if you didn't hear last week so go back and listen to 48 yes totally go listen to 48 and then and then i know that's an hour and a half but you know Brene brown is getting a lot of of attention for an hour and a half on netflix so i figure you can give me an hour and a half you think you think we're as good as Brene brown why not (laughs) No, no, definitely not. I love her so much. But we're on the way. I would really like to be her friend. No, she's awesome, for real. Okay, um, okay. so I'm going to dive in because we have a lot to cover. And so we referenced in the first first of this series that this is like a science-y kind of thing. But we're going to really talk about the how-tos. So this is how to basically build friendship in your relationship, okay? But stay, if I talk fast, don't be, don't feel annoyed. (laughs) You can, you can cover. press that little button in iTunes where you slow the voice down, down to half time. I'm sorry ahead of time. I just have a lot to cover in a short time. So she gets real excited about it. So we did last week, um, we talked about the differences between dysfunctional and functional relationships and how like just because something you have negative feelings and conflict does not make it dysfunctional. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse is what kind of signals you that you're, you're in dysfunction or headed to dysfunction. And those were criticism, defensiveness... What is the third contempt. one? Contempt. No, contempt. Contempt. Sorry. Contentment is a good thing. Yes. Contempt and stonewalling. stonewalling. So those we got to look for. So then we just kind of, like, Haley went through and kind of did some myth busting. We talked about what really does look like dysfunction in a relationship. And then she kind of got into some, like, I think it was like eight or nine ways to really make sure we're staying in a dialogue versus this gridlock of talking at each other and just having walls of feelings and nobody is really hearing each other yeah so let's jump into that prevention piece of how do we how to generate the friendship so one of the one of the other things that the Gottmans kind of pride themselves on is this this whole house if you will of how to create a sound relationship house if so that's going to include building a love map which I'm going to go into great detail about but that's just understanding your partner's inner psychological world so like what are they like what do they dream about what do they care about how are their feelings what all who are they essentially mm-hmm. um sharing fondness and ad- admiration so being in that place of just completely admiring your partner and that ad- admiration that you have for your apartment a partner is the exact antidote to the four horsemen that we spoke about earlier so to be to be an admiration 
helps you break all four of those. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you can't really admire your partner and be criticizing them yeah. at the same time. And it's a culture. It's not a one-time thing. Like, you build over time a relationship that fosters appreciation for each other and fondness for each other. Yeah, as opposed to... affection. Exactly, as opposed to creating this habit where you're constantly looking for, unintentionally, or scanning for the other person, mistake, their mistakes. Okay, you know? so build a love map. Share fondness and affection. Number three. Turn towards as opposed to turn away, right? So we're going to build this like emotional bank, if you will. I'm going to talk about how to make these bids to turning towards your partner in conflict and out of conflict, okay? Mm -hmm. When there's need and when there's not necessarily intense need, okay? So making those connections and expressing your, your emotional needs. Four, the positive perspective. So again, we're looking for... That whole presence of your physical body presenting with a positive affect, especially during problem-solving discussions, right? So we're trying to resolve, repair attempt after there's been a conflict, create that fondness and admiration, turning towards. Remember how we talked about in the first uh, episode that negative sentiment override where you're trying to... Crackers. Crackers. You're trying to communicate something neutral or even positive, but it's perceived as negative. We're trying to create the opposite of that. And the only way to shift back to the positive sentiment override is to change the quality of your friendship with the other person. Recreate the new culture. Okay. Right. Five, managing that conflict. You're not going to hear me talk a whole lot about managing conflict today um, because we did talk about it in resolving the um, four horsemen. But just remember that And we talked about it in the last episode when we talked about the softened startups. That's going to help manage conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, And trying to make those repair attempts and de-escalating. We talked about that all in the first episode, okay? Um, And uh, so so that's five. Six is make life dreams and aspirations come true. Mm, That's my favorite one. Yes, it, it should be. Let's play, have fun, explore, adventure, get out of the norm, basically. we got to break it up, okay? Go we'll camping. Talk, go camping. We'll talk about, <laughs> not me, I'm not going camping. My, my marriage will that's have a, to create fun somewhere that's else. That's not a life dream for you? I'm definitely not going. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have to create these life dreams and share them. And that will help us get out of the gridlock as well. Um, seven, create shared meaning. So we've got to intentionally create these moments, if you will, where we're on the same page as to understanding what is the meaning of our relationship? What what do we want our legacy to look like as a as parents, as a as a marital couple? What do we what are these big events, if you will, that we understand the meaning system behind them? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. It's cultural, like, it's belief systems, it's all of that. Yeah, there, there are moments where we'll have, like, a, a picnic out at the beach or whatever, and Eric grew, Eric's a Florida boy that grew up going out on the boat, like, every Sunday or whatever. And so being at the beach is very much, like, a value for him. It's not mm-hmm. just fun for him. It's, like, who he is. Yes. Um, and so when we take picnics out to the beach sometimes, he'll, he'll be sitting there on the sand, and we'll be watching our kids play in the waves, and he will say things like, this is exactly who I want our family to be. That's like, it. It's an identity statement for him. Like that, the beach has meaning. Exactly. So yeah, share, fostering that for him is something I can do to connect with him. Exactly. We also have to do like figure out what are our family goals and our life missions together. We're gonna have those conversations between the spouses and, and within our couple. Um, what does home mean when you say home or when you say beach or what is, what do those things mean? And, and then generating having fun. Mm-hmm. What does being an Erickson mean? Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about we want our kids to 
to be proud of their last name. What does mm-hmm. that even mean to you? Yeah. We need to talk about those You don't things. do X, Y, Z, or we do do X, Y, Z. You're a doorman. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, yeah. So what does that mean? Uh-huh. Okay, eight, trust. Um, so the trust is sticky, and we're not going to talk a whole lot about this today um, because it could be its own episode series. Um, but it trust is the state that occurs when a person knows that their partner acts and thinks to maximize your own and the other partner's interests. Mm. Okay, so like you you just you you're going into it knowing that they're going to have your interests your at best heart. interest in mind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Nine is commitment. Um, so that's where we're going to believe and act on the belief that the relationship with this person is completely a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Like I. I'm I'm not only going to be committed to you. I believe it is it is what we will do for the rest of our time mm-hmm. together. I believe yeah. in this, okay? When we were kids, I remember asking mom and dad who I would live with if they ever got divorced and mom would say we're, she would literally never answer the question. <laughs> yeah. She would say it's like so not happening that we're not even going to talk about it. And the same thing has happened to my kids. They're they're old enough now that they have friends whose parents are not together or are actively splitting up or whatever. Like they're at this age now where they know that that ex- that moms not all moms and dads stay together. And they have asked me un, completely unprompted who would I live with if you and dad split up and I do the same thing mom said I say we're literally not even talking about it that's it, not a thing it, it will not ever happen it's so not an option the conversation can be over and you have to believe in that um okay so I'm going to give you a quick little quiz if you're listening and, and I want you to think about um you and your partner and you can share this with your partner or just refer them to come listen to the episode that might be easier um <laughs> okay I want you to be thinking that you're going to decide to what degree do you believe that we in the couple agree or disagree on the following. So how much do we agree or disagree about handling family finances? Okay, so I'm saying I think I I imagine that Eric and I feel the same way about handling family finances. We agree handling family I'm pretty sure family. that we agree about who does what. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Number one, handling family finances. Number two, matters of recreation. So do we agree about how we do recreation? Do mm-hmm. we agree about what those beach times mean? Number three, demonstrative demonstration of affection. Do we agree on how to do that and that we're doing it at a similar ratio, or do we disagree about that? Mm-hmm. Do we agree what is the context of friends and how they play a role in this relationship and in our in our lives? Do we agree on friends? Do we agree on our sex relations? Do we agree that this is how it should be done, when it should be done, who should it should be done by? Do we tend to agree or do we tend to disagree about our sexual relations? Um, with each other, um, convention conventionality. So, like, how is our conduct in the world? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it? Do we feel like what is right or what is good or what is proper? Mm-hmm. Do we agree on those things? Yeah. Like, right? do what are our family values and like? It's it's like huge to Eric that my son has a shirt on at the table. Like, yeah, I, I could care less. But yeah, that's a big thing. For so, him. to what degree do we agree or disagree <laughs> yeah. on that? Seven philosophy of life. What is your philosophy of life? Do we mm-hmm. agree on that? And eight ways of dealing with the in-laws. Okay? So you're assessing. So on the agree and disagree about those. Now, answer these questions. Ready? Number one. When those disagreements arise, do they usually result in you giving in, your partner giving in, or you mutually agreeing to give and take? Do you and your partner engage in outside interests together? All, yes. All of the time. Some of the time very few of the time or none of the time, okay? Outside interests together. In your leisure time, do you generally prefer to be on the go or stay at home? 
So you're a set, I want you to be answering these questions for yourself and what you think your partner would answer them. And then I want your partner to be answering for themselves and what they think you would be, how you would be answering them and compare notes because that will help us decide are we on the same page or not. Yeah. Like, oh, you think I want to be at home. I don't want to be at home. I don't want to be at home. I want to go. Yeah. Right. Okay. So number four, does your partner generally prefer to be on the go or to stay at home? So you need to decide what do you think is your partner? Then we're going to ask them later. What do you generally prefer? Yeah. Okay. Do you ever wish you had not committed to this relationship? Yes, frequently I wish I would have not committed. Occasionally, rarely, never. That's a scary one to answer. I know, that's a scary one, but I think it needs to be assessed. If I'm a never, I don't want him to be a frequently. I know. If you had your life to live over again, do you think you would commit to that same person or to a different person? Okay, so in number five and number six, you're not really, be careful about answering, asking your partner that. I'm not saying that that's not important information, but those really need to be dealt with in the context of counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you ever confide in your partner? Almost never, rarely, in most things, in everything. And the goal is, is that if you're seeing those things as you're on the concerning side of the answer, that is a definite trip to the counselor's office. Totes. To deal with. Okay, is that fair? All right, I, I need to run past that really quickly because we got to talk about how to become friends. And I can post that quiz. Yeah, okay. So the love map exercise is how we're going to start. I want you to grab a blanket, a bottle of wine, some cheese, turn the dang TV off, sit in your living room, the kids are in bed, it is quiet, and all we're going to do is you're going to basically, this is similar, you're going to be answering on your partner's behalf and then your partner's going to answer on you your behalf, okay? I'm not going to run through all these um, for one, if you if you Google uh, love maps Gottman G O T T M A N, you will this list will come up for you on Pinterest and on Google, so you can look it up. And Megan's going to post it in the blogs because I'm not going to run through them. But I just want you to get the context of them. Um, name my two closest friends. So Jake is is answering that on my behalf, and I'm answering that on Jake's behalf, right? Uh, what is one of my favorite ways to be soothed? Right. And so we're trying to understand these love maps. Here's the purpose of this. I'm trying to understand psychologically where you are, emotionally where you are. And the point of these is that you need to be regularly doing this love map. You think you can answer your partner's favorite ice cream, but it may have changed. Mm. And so one of the ways it may seem silly and almost like, you know, quiz like, if you will. But if you're sitting down over a bottle of wine and some cheese and you guys are getting into these conversations, you will laugh. You will be like, what? I had no idea that that was your favorite way to work out. I thought I knew. Or it's changed. You used to like this. And so because we're ever evolving, we need to be constantly putting ourselves in the position to want to ever evolve in our understanding of our partner. Let me ask you this. I can see my husband being like, are you serious? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I could see your husband doing it too, but mine would be like, okay, yeah, let's answer the Yours question. Yours would be totally game. Yeah. Yours would think it was fun. Mine would be like. Uh, okay, like how, on a scale of one to ten, how important is it to you that I do this? Right. So ten. Yeah, is the answer ten. Okay, it's super important to me. What if I give him a time limit? I say, listen, let's do this for ten minutes. Yeah, sure. If but but part honestly, like I'm not saying this mean against your your partner by any stretch, <laughs> but honestly, that that might be a negative indicator of our intimacy. It could be a positive indicator of our intimacy. So here's what I mean by that: if you're unwilling to sit down and answer these silly questions with me, the question is, where would you rather be? Yeah. Would you rather be watching a Netflix TV show because that feels more functional? Play my guitar. Right? Okay. <laughs> then that's not intimate, you know? So this is, the whole purpose of this is for us to carve out time, even if it's cheesy, 
for us to get on the same page of understanding, okay, where is this person? Now, it's also possible in your husband's case that he feels like he can answer every single one of these questions because you are interlacing this type of love mat conversation in a regular conversation totally. with each other. Totally. So this is really going to be for people who need to increase the friendship. Yeah. And which means it's not there. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so turn towards. This is another exercise that you can do. We call it the turn towards, okay? So you're going to take turns. This, is, this one's a little more... Uh, difficult or a substantial maybe is the word um it's basically us learning how to have a conversation about difficult things or stressful things in a more productive way and teaching the partner how to turn towards the other person okay so you're going to take turns disclosing something that is stressful in your life mm. okay and we're trying to evaluate how can the couple handle this the external stressors in their life within each other. Mm -hmm. So you're picking something that is strictly outside of the marriage. You're not talking about sex and finances. You're talking about something that happened at work. You're talking about a physical ailment you have. You're talking about something that does not touch the other partner in this exercise, okay? So partner A, think of something outside of the relationship that's causing you stress, and then really be careful not to loop it into the in loop it into internal stress. Well, I have this physical pain and you don't ever seem to be empathetic about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not helpful, right? We're just talking about the physical pain, okay? So you keep it outside and you yourself don't jump to problem solving so quickly. The whole purpose for you as partner A, who's communicating the stressful event, is that you're just simply communicating the stressful event initially, mm -hmm. okay? Because you also don't want to set the stage for your partner to immediately problem solve because that will piss you off, mm -hmm. okay? So don't do that by you immediately problem solving. And so you're gonna wait till your part. you think your partner understands what you're saying about this stressful event, and then we'll move into problem solving down the line, okay? It's also helpful if you mention just one thing. <laughs> Don't give a laundry list in an mm -hmm. exercise like this, okay? Mm -hmm. So you prevent the stressful event as partner A. Partner B is going to work to learn how to be your ally, okay? Even if they don't fully agree. So think about this. Um, I Today, my boss got on to me for running late mm -hmm. to work. Well, if I'm the spouse on the other side of that, it, that is an easy doorway for me to be like, uh, well, can you blame them? Because it actually bothers me, too, that you're late all the time, mm. right? It, that was not a door for you to walk through to attack the other person. And it's easy to do that on accident. So if you're partner B and you're the listener in the exercise, you're going to just listen non-judgmentally. Hear the person out, okay? Then you're going to show some interest. Ask questions specifically about their emotions. How did that make you feel? What was that like for you? What was the worst part of that? Make sure you're making eye contact, okay? Don't be busy still fixing the sausage on the other <laughs> side, you know, with cooking. Because the thing about this, the whole point of these exercises is that our intimacy is down. So if you want it up, you're going to have to participate, you yeah. know, even if it feels intense or silly. As the listener, you also need to empathize with the feelings. So you're going to use language like, oh, that's so, so sucks, or that's super awkward. I would I would be so annoyed by that, too. Uh -huh. Okay, something like that. Even if you don't agree about the behavior that the person is presenting with, what you do agree with is that it sucks that the boss yelled at them. Yeah. Okay? So that's where you want to emphasize on just those parts. Don't emphasize them being chastised, or I meant them being late which is the thing that bothers you, emphasize them being chastised. Mm -hmm. You with me? Listener, also, don't rush to problem solve, okay? So for, we like we like to solve our own problems, and quite honestly, she or he is better likely to understand that their lateness is a problem and will fix it, which will help you if you let them get there on their own. Yeah. Okay? So just wait for the cue for solving, and maybe you ask at that point, uh, 
you know, can I be helpful here? Is there, is there, do you want to problem solve here? Or did you, did you just want a place to basically be able to feel, you know, you can ask that. Okay. As the listener, finally, be careful, be careful not to one up. This happens a lot. I hear in my, in my counseling, she, let's say she says, yeah, my boss got on to me today or yeah, I'm feeling a lot of pain. He or she might respond in reference to that. Oh yeah, I totally get that. That does suck really, really bad. I'm, you know, at the gym earlier, I think I pulled something. And you think you're trying to relate, but it sounds to her like you're just competing. And instead, you've got to let her have basically her glory mm-hmm. of time. Her presenting a, a stressful event was not an open door for you to do the same. Okay. Im- immediately. Okay. So that's all turning towards the partner. Yeah, that's yep. an exercise. Turn towards the partner. And then you would switch turns and let the other partner present a stressful event and you work as the listener partner. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I will say I it, it's so helpful to like these are good reminders. I've been married a long time and I'm the daughter and the sister of a marriage therapist. So I feel like I have a lot of tools for some of these things, but sometimes you just need reminders. And m- my husband will frequently say to me, I feel like everything I just told you you're taking the other person's side. Mm. Because I feel like there's like I don't know if it's a human thing or a woman thing, but like wanting to balance out the power, you know, like mm-hmm. so when, when somebody says this thing over here is bad or annoying, you want to like even it out by yeah. being like, well, but did you consider this? Totally. So it's actually not that bad, you know? And so right. like you, you just want to like even out the tension by seeing the bright side or whatever, but it, 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 it makes him... Disinvalidate. Yeah. It makes him feel like I'm not on his side. Right. Yeah. yeah. My husband actually got sick recently and I realized that we were in an unconscional power struggle where he was telling me that he got sick and I was like, oh, but you're probably not sick. It's probably just like a little thing. And I realized, and he, and then he stopped talking about how he was sick, but he was still sick. And I realized that the reason he stopped talking about it was because I wasn't listening to him about it and I wasn't sharing any empathy. And then I had to check myself, why was I doing that? And it was because I didn't want him to get sick because I don't like it when he's sick. So I tried to did like distant oh you're not sick don't don't believe in it right because i was it's it was more problematic for me which is selfish (laughs) okay um here's an exercise number three on how to create friendship we're going to create those shared meanings remember how we were talking about like your example with eric and the beach those rituals of connection and understanding the meaning in our relationship you know here's the thing i think there's been a study out that says like Three quarters of families that used to that grew up in homes where they ate dinner together as a family don't do it anymore, mm. and um, that's a problem, right? So the dinner table is a great place for us to share deep conversations. Okay, so the third um, kind of exercise, if you will, to help us create this friendship and create this this point of connection is going to be called creating shared meaning, and I referenced it. Um, in the last episode from the week prior. Um, But one of the things we're wanting to look at is kind of these rituals, if you will, of connection, which can range from a small ritual all the way up to a large ritual. So I'll, I'll kind of talk about that. But the purpose of that is, again, we get into this monotonous, Um, you know, lines of communication with each other where we're like you referenced earlier, how, how was your day? What, what are we eating for dinner? Who's picking up the kid from gymnastics? You know, like, and it doesn't ever get into this deeper combo. And some of the reason for that is because we're not, we're not really ever present in a place where we can do that. Mm -hmm. Like, like the dinner table or like cars, you know, we just are so passing, so busy so we need to stop and kind of create these rituals, basically, where we can connect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
So one one way to do that is, so there's like a couple of exercises on ways to create the rituals of connection, okay? One would be this, what they call the daily stress-reducing conversation. So that that's back to, remember when we were talking about um, the... Um, What's it called? Not the softened startup, but when when one person is described. Oh, the turn towards exercise, the one I just was referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number where, two. Yeah, you're number two. You're speaking about um, a stressful event. So we want to try that on a daily, where one person gets to be the speaker, one person gets to be the listener. About fifteen minutes a piece, you get to share a stressful thing that occurred, and that's where we're learning how together again. Back in the turn towards exercise. Um, to be a listener, to be supportive, to increase our empathy, to c- increase our understanding and not just jump to problem solving, okay? I like it. So We're too tired to do that after 9 p.m. Ours happens more like 6 a.m. That's over, a, yeah. over coffee. <laughs> no, that's amazing that you guys can do that. I, I am like the walking dead at 6 a.m. So <laughs> ours happens at like 7.30 p.m., but we still have a little guy who goes to bed early, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the stress reducing conversation doing that on the daily okay another one is they kind of they reference it the Gottmans reference it as the weekly one hour state of the union conversation state of the union is kind of intense but actually Jake and I we don't we have not done this on a weekly basis um for feeling as though maybe not necessary but in at any point that we start to feel not even contentious but just separated just kind of bored and apart yeah we actually will do something similar to this so you start with, and it doesn't have to be this mechanical. I mean, you yeah. guys can add whatever works for your relationship. But um, an, an option is, okay, you start with something that's gone well this week, something that was a, a highlight, a praise. Hey, what was a good thing that occurred this week? And this really needs to be more about the couple, the family mm-hmm. system, specifically the couple, ideally, not just the kids. It's real easy to be like, oh, the kid did this cute thing. Yeah. I really want it to be more about you guys, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the turn towards exercise is a stressful event that's outside of the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is inside the relationships. Let's start with something that went well this week, something that was great. Um, And then try to give one another, like, a couple of appreciations from the week. So it was really helpful to me that you just jumped up and – you know, interacted with the kid when it was, when it was doing X or that you were willing to make that phone call to the plumber because I get super overwhelmed in those situations. I don't care how small or how big it is. Come up with three to five appreciations from the week or that you noticed that I looked hot in that dress and said something. Yeah. Thank thank you for noticing that. I mean, how many times do you think something about your spouse and it doesn't actually make it out of your mouth? Yeah. Jake was in the middle of a conversation last night and he was looking very hot. His (laughs) his button down was unbuttoned and his little white t-shirt was showing and he was talking and I wasn't listening to what he was saying. (laughs) Because he looked so cute. Because I was paying attention to him and and at first I said, wow, you look really handsome. And he kind of was like, whoa, like, uh, thanks, you know? (laughs) And then, and then I was like, Actually, come to think of it, you look really hot. Actually, you yes. know, let me just tell you that. Yeah. But I don't. Often I will be thinking that and not say it. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. So five appreciations from the week. Um, and then maybe allow for a discussion to talk about a problem maybe that has occurred between the two of us. Once you've set the stage on the positive note, it makes it a little bit less, it's less threatening Everybody's to come in on the negative. Way more receptive. Right. And then end with a question. I am such a proponent of that. Um, we oft, Part of the reason that our conversations don't feel productive is because we make a lot of statements at each other. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. We don't ever ask questions. And so to build intimacy and to create production, 
say, hey, what what can I do in, in next week to make you feel more loved? Or how can I be more helpful in a situation like that next time? Listen, I know we're talking about marriages, but I feel like that is just a very powerful um, skill for anything. Like I had a, I had a like kind of tense moment with a friend last week where I feel like it would have done us good for, for me to have said, what can I do totally this coming week or, you know, whatever. Like, I feel like that's just a really excellent life skill. Amen. The questions, uh, questions are romantic. Even, or even like to a boss, what can I do this week that would make you feel like I was listening or being productive or whatever? You know, like, Absolutely. that's just a great, it's a great question. Habit. Yes. What, what can I do that would make you feel like I was being successful in whatever our relationship is? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, another idea in this kind of creating rituals of connection, if you will, would be the weekly date. And that, just at least give me an hour. Give your spouse, I should say, an hour where you're just checking in emotionally. And you're just saying, like, I I just want to be with you. I just love you. Now, obviously, your weekly date can be dinner and a movie. It can be wine and cheese. I don't know what you do. I don't care. But get connected, okay? At least for an hour on the weekly. All my money went to my house. It's going to be hot tea and Netflix. That's totally (laughs) fine. That is totally fine. Hot tea, okay. Um, Number four of creating these rituals is going to be your daily cuddle time. This is like insanely important and insanely underdone, Uh right? Even in my own marriage, we just get so busy and so tired and since I'm pregnant, I really don't want to be touched ever. <laughs> and so I can go, and, and touch is not my love language, and so I can go 48 hours and feel completely loved by my husband, and we have never even touched mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. So I want you to cuddle. I want you to touch. I want you to hold hands. I want you to kiss. Listen, there was this book. There's a book called The Normal Bar. It's by Chris, I don't know, what's her name? Chrisanne. Chrisanna. Northrop or something. It, it's a couple of, of psychologists who wrote this book, and they had done some studies um, where 70,000 people in 24 countries found that all the couples who did not cuddle, only 6% said that they had a satisfying sex, sex life. Mm. So, like, of 70,000 couples, who of the ones who were not cuddling, only 6% of those had a satisfying sex life, Yeah, so 94% of the people who have a satisfying sex life are also cuddling. Are also cuddling. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then also there's another book called The Science of Kissing. I think this is... Cuddle is a lame word. Cuddle. uh, Yeah. Well, it's only because your cat was named that. (laughs) It just makes me think of teddy bears and children. Okay, well, touch. It's just a weird weird word. Just really touch. (laughs) Um, But there's also this book called The Science of Kissing, and I think this is really cool. Um, There was a study out of Germany that produced the information into this book and it showed that men who kissed their wives as they left for work lived five years longer than men who didn't right i'm not suggesting that women shouldn't be also kissing their wives but the point is that i mean wives should be kissing their husbands and whomever everybody should be kissing everybody is the point but the point is is that if you kiss and i mean like a passionate not just a peck kiss yeah. You live longer. Yeah, I love it. I can totally see it. We referenced this on the episode about how to, um, what was it about? Maintain revi- intimacy after kids. After kids. Yeah. Yeah, we referenced this exact point, and the point is is that you can have a ritual about sex. We get so weird about scheduling time for sex because we think that that's going to reduce the intimacy in it, but uh-huh. sorry, it's not. Like, It's better to have scheduled sex than to have not had sex at all. Correct. So it's loving. Schedule time to have sex, even if it's every Sunday. I don't know what you do. Yeah. Right? Hey, it's Friday night. What are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Or, or, hey, it's Wednesday and I'm I'm scheduling it for Friday night. Uh That's okay, you know? Um, Also, kiss passionately 
weekly, I mean, um, on a daily basis, the best you can, saying you love each other really meaningfully, there's a way to genuinely do that as opposed to, hey, I love you. It's, you can sink yourself into those words and we really need to. Yeah. There, are, I, I can't tell you how many clients I have who have issues with their parents as from childhood and they will say things like, I never heard my parents say I love you or I never heard my parents say I was proud of you. Mm. And so the way that that registers in the body 30 years later, imagine what that would do to a marriage if you're either not saying it or you're just flippantly saying it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Talk about your sex life too. That's a, always awkward for a lot of couples even in a therapeutic setting. But the point is, is that it your bodies are ever evolving and your partner has no idea how to love that body unless you will teach them how to love that body. Even if you don't know what is right, let's just talk about what is not helpful, what is not pleasing, what seems to be more pleasing, as uncomfortable as that can be. It's imperative. Yeah. And I mean, back to that question, what can I do to make you want to do it more or what can I do to make you feel more connected to me or what can I do to blah 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 exactly know? and part of that is talking about the ways to say no where it's more loving where it's not just like no I don't want to right but the healthy ways to not make it feel so reject yeah like such a rejection you yeah know? okay so those are just a couple of exercises and ideas on how to generate the friendship and marriage um you you kind of highlighted this earlier in the episode what if, like, my spouse thinks that's weird, yeah. you know, or lame? And I agree with that. Like, it's, it's some of this does feel very lame. But to my anxiety clients, for example, when I'm suggesting that they do relaxation techniques, they're like, okay, if I start breathing, I'm not going to, my panic attacks are not going to be healed. And I'm like, you're right. Your other option is to not breathe. How's yeah. That, how's that going for you? How's that working out? You know, so you've, you, sometimes we have to kind of reduce ourselves to the lameness in order to basically reconnect mm-hmm. without it how are we doing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so here's a couple of just really brief you know bullet points on how to kind of prevent the relapse of us falling out of friendship and us increasing conflict okay remember that it's important that we try to um, have these reunions where we all kind of come back together where me and my spouse come back together have that affectionate greeting Loving kiss lasts several seconds where we're just really engaging. Try to increase our meal times together where we're sharing the events of the day. We're talking about the meanings of our life. Even we'll, we'll dream about six years from now going to Hawaii that we may or may not ever go on that trip. But we need to be dreaming together and sharing what does the beach mean to me? What does home mean to me? What does it mean to be an Erickson? Right? Those kinds of conversations at meal times. Um, shake it up a little bit and eat out. Everything, you know, we, we, we get really in the process of lasagna or chicken and broccoli. And you need to go try the new Mexican restaurant because margaritas really do help with this. <laughs> um, having that after meal or when your kids go to bed, coffee time uh, or tea time. It, it, I, I actually um, had the pleasure of working with a uh, 89-year-old client who told me that her husband made tea or co- tea, I guess it was for him because they were British. But tea every single night after the kids had gone to bed starting at those ages. They are now in their 90s and he has dementia and he still makes tea Uh, on his way out. Muscle memory. Yeah, it's amazing. And they sit down over tea every single night. Um, Yeah, so also going to bed together, that's really sad, like pretty uncommon. And so that's a really easy way to get in the bed for 30 minutes and do your cuddle time and then go read your books on your Kindle and then go to sleep. 
Um, or like you said, morning rituals together. Also, I really like to serve together. This gets us out of our grind. If we're in the middle of a fight and we're painting somebody else's house for them, that really creates perspective. Absolutely. So find ways to serve people who are in need, but with your spouse. Yeah, and shared work. Like you're, you're on a team now. Yeah. yeah. One that I really like to highlight is the dates and the getaways. It's I recommend for my clients, you guys should be spending the night away from your house, away from your children, at least three times a year. Ideally for two or three nights or more, but definitely at least for one night. So if you can... If you can rent a camper and go to Ocala from St. Pete, <laughs> fine, go. If you can book a flight to Colorado, go. The point is, is get away three times a year and have those weekly date nights the best you can in some form or fashion. Okay? Um, so, yeah, that's a lot, right? I love it. Of relapse prevention. But there's so many more. And if you have any questions about any of that stuff, you should totally send us an email because the ideas can flow well i love that this is a lot of just like strategies and tips and like things you can keep in mind but the bottom the bottom line is you can get through a lot you can get through trauma you can get through grief you can get through betrayal you can get through financial destitution you can get through anything no sex life for two years you can get through infidelity yeah. some times right you know? like you you your your marriage doesn't have to be over just because you don't feel like you're in love right now this very minute like relationships can bounce they can ebb and flow and they can bounce back and friendship is the key and the magnitude of what you're going through could be giant it could be we have been fi- we have not been on the same page for three to five years mm-hmm. and so to sit down over a glass of wine and talk about who your childhood best friend was feels like there ain't no way that's going to help me come back from what we're dealing with and i completely empathize with that point but what is your your other option is to continue to stay in this gridlock with your spouse and I, you're right that talking about memories and going on a date for the first time or even holding hands while you walk the dog for the first time you're right that's not going to heal the 10 years of hurt you've been going through you're correct but it is the paver that starts the road that will continue to do that and so some somebody's got to give and somebody's got to be willing to break the current mold and start in a new mold and the only way to do that says the research is to increase intimacy through friendship through friendship yep so, well, we hope you guys have enjoyed these last couple of episodes and um, we would both totally write you back if you drop us an email. So hopefully you're on my weekly list. I send out a message every Thursday with the new episode link and you can respond to any of those. If you're not currently on my list, you get a free gift when you sign up. Um, it is currently an ebook that talks about just like the six really basic, easy ways that you can kick off a, a healthy lifestyle. Um, you will, I think it's labeled that you would actually like six ways to jumpstart weight loss but even if that's not your goal you can totally change lifestyle habits and nourish joy with these six things and it just lays it out really clearly so i would love for you to have that as my gift to you and then also be in my list of insiders that gets my weekly thursday love notes so that is just at megandorman.com if you go to that homepage, you can drop in your email address and then you're in and you can respond to any one of my messages and we would love to talk to you that way So thanks for being here, and oh my gosh, next week is episode 50. Oh my gosh, it is. The anniversary. The anniversary. One year anniversary episode. Woo! Hold your breath. So make sure you're subscribed and you don't miss it, and we would love for you to drop us a review on our one-year birthday. Yay! Love you guys. Bye. Bye.